Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. Seven years of invading your ears. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast. My name is Aaron Camaro. Joined, as always, by my good friend of seven years, Chris Sinzak. How's it going? Man, it's awesome. Can you believe it? It's our birthday. It is. It's seven years Seven years ago this week, we uh, we started this whole thing, and yeah, it's hard to believe it's been that long. Pretty amazing, especially yeah. considering where we are today. Yeah, this is. Uh, it, it's very cosmic how this episode wound up being recorded on the exact seventh birthday of Decibel Geek. Yeah, it's it's a trip because, you know, as you guys know, we've been, you know, flying the flag of Vinnie Vincent for like seven years, seven you years. know, actually technically a lot longer than that. But mm-hmm. doing it on the show for seven years, you know, we've always praised and talked about Vinnie Vincent and talked about how awesome it would be to have him on the show someday. And bam, here we are seven years later to the day to the day Vinnie Vincent. On yeah. the Decibel Geek Podcast. And we got a, a real, real enjoyable conversation with Vinny and, uh, about the Invasion album. Uh, hope you guys don't mind. Back-to-back albums unleashed. I don't yeah. think anyone will. No, I don't think so. Uh, so, yeah, it was uh, it was great talking to him. It, it's very long-form conversation, and uh, you're going to hear a lot of stuff you've never heard before. Yeah, so we're going to hurry up and get right to it. But, man, before we do that, we got to take care of business, and we'll make it short and sweet, quick and easy Five stars on Facebook comes to us from Morton Hamelbow, and it goes a little something like this: simply awesome. That says it all, right? That says it all right there. The Decibel Geek is simply awesome. I agree. Great with review you. right there. <laughs> Simple, easy, love it. Yeah. And uh, the other people we love this week, the Geeks of the Week, these are the people that share on Facebook and retweet on Twitter. Last week's Albums Unleashed, Bullet Boys, with good guest Mick Sweeta. Mick Sweeta, Toby Wright here in the studio yeah. with us, helping Both us out with it. Great. That was a lot of fun. I learned a whole lot about that album that I didn't even know before. Yeah, we had a lot of fun talking to those guys, and That's it was fantastic. That's what it's all about. So uh, share on Facebook or retweet on Twitter and cause me to uh, have no lungs left after next week. <laughs> you got a big old list here. Geeks of the Week this week are Classic Rock Unlimited, Frank Basha, Brandon Reagan, Julian Howard, Joseph Sauceville, Marty Millsaps, Rob Webb, Joshua Toomey from Talk To Me Podcast, Rock and Ron Runyon, Paul Korn, James McElhenney, Mark Alden-Taylor. Trevor McDougal, Joseph Capone, Tom Cullen, Patrick Breen, Focus on Metal Podcast, Andy Parker, Matt Ashcraft, Coffee, Tubes, and Tone, 
Gino Ames, Derek Leva, Dave Shirt, Andy LaFon, Brent Walter, Growing Up Rock Podcast, Neil Johnson, Cal Hens, Shane Abair, Mike Parnell, Aaron Baker, Joe Royland, Sit and Spin with Joe, Andrew Jacobs, Kevin Williams, Freeform Rock Podcast, Steve Boykin, Wayne Cross, Greg McGlone, Morris Buttermaker, Baco, Cobras and Fire, Steve Wright, Adam Cox, Todd Cunningham, Scott Smith, Stacey Sullivan, Frank Sanchez, JJ Max, Sonny Pooney, Eladio, Freeman, 1177, Save Rock and Metal, Billy Hardcore, Christopher Stokes, Jay Shabluski, and the Mooger Fooger. Yes, those are our people. Thank you so much for getting out there, sharing and retweeting last week's episode, Albums Unleashed, the debut of the Bullet Boys. If you want to become an honorary geek of the week, well, it's simple. Chris is going to turn blue in the face next week. Oh, my God. Maybe a little shade of purple. I'm scared. Yeah. Tune in just to hear me do that. Yeah, it's going to be a long list, I'm sure. But all you got to do is share, retweet this episode. Vinnie Vincent Invasion Albums Unleashed. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. Great to how are you? Oh, we're, we're fantastic. It's great to hear your voice. Well, thank you so much. Great to hear yours. Yeah, and my co-host Aaron is on the line. Hi, Vinny. Hey, how are you? Real good, man. It's awesome to be talking to you today. Hey, my, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Awesome. Uh, I did want to mention, it's 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 pretty cosmic that you, you wind up interviewing with us today because uh, you don't know this, but today is the actual seventh birthday of the podcast. Yes. Seven years. Seven years. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. And, uh, when we first started doing this and we decided we were going to do it, we put together a list of like dream interviews that we'd always wanted to do. And we talked about it. You know, I'd like to talk to this guy. I'd like to talk to that guy. But seven years ago when this started, you were on the top of our list. So it's very cosmic and, and awesome that today is the anniversary and we're actually getting to talk to you. I'm very honored, guys. I really am. And, uh, and here we are, you know, on the anniversary, so. Yeah, yeah, it's a celebration for us, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm sure Randy will let you know when I talked to you about it last Saturday at the Vault event. It was good seeing you there. Um, we're going to do Albums Unleashed. These are a series of shows we do where we take an album and we break down the background of the album, how it became what it became, the songwriting and track-by-track discussion, and uh the Invasion album is just one of our favorite records, and it's yeah. it's just such an in-your-face beast of an album. And you know, and I'm I'm happy to kiss your ass on this because this album absolutely is amazing. <laughs> um, and you know, I mean, it's just it's it's an incredible album, and it, and it still sounds so fresh today. And the playing is incredible. But well, I kind of wanted to start with a, the background of the album. When did you know that you were going to have to make this record? What do you mean? When did when did I know I was going to have to make it? Well, like, not, <laughs> what, not what, what does that actually mean? I guess maybe more would be like the moment you knew that you were that this was going to happen. Like in your heart, the moment the moment you knew that it was time to do something for Vinny. I pretty much remember the time frame, and um, I I wasn't happy. Uh, with my own playing during the kiss years because, and it's, it's maybe probably my fault. Um, and I don't say fault, but I, I limited my, I limited my, my, you know, I, I tightened the frame, you know, it's almost like when you're cropping a photo, you know, you just, you know, you take the borders and you go, you know, this is how much I don't want to go past this. I'll stay within this. 
and uh, it was it was no no one no one imposed that on me but me, mm-hmm. and uh, it could have been just a combination of uh, of a number of factors, but uh, the 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 moments that were defining were. You know, everybody's pretty much aware of some of the things that had happened that caused my departure, you know, from the band. Mm-hmm. But uh, last I had left off was the Lick It Up tour ended. This was in the uh, first week of April, 84. I think our parting words to each other were, you know, everyone would be demoing their you know their new songs and um we would be meeting again to play each other what we got you know mm-hmm. in, a, in a month or so and uh i began demoing I, I you know i had i had some songs roughly written and uh they began to take more shape and became clearer to me on where the song was and then they became more completed, and my inspiration was pretty high at that moment. And uh, I remember there were seven. There were seven songs written, and I think they were. It was "Do You Want to Make Love," "Animal," "Twisted," "No Substitute," "Shoot You Full of Love," and "Boys Are Gonna Rock." And uh, "Baby O" was a song that I had had earlier on, but it it was developing. And it was still part of the package, you know, still part of the the song demo package mm-hmm. that I was going to um, demo and then, you know, take to guys and say, I, th- I think these are good. What do you think? Which is what we used to do. And uh, we all went our own way. And then some things happened and we couldn't work out a business arrangement and uh, I was really hoping that we would because as my songs became more cohesive, you know, I, I really thought that these were going to make one fucking great Kiss album, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we were really ready, you know. Mm-hmm. The band was so ready. Yeah. And uh, we were at the top of our game, I think, after Look It Up in the tour. We were really settling into who, who we were at that time. I began recording, you know, the bulk of the songs, and uh, I came up with, you know, they're, they're my bass parts, they're my guitar parts, they're how I envisioned it, my background vocals, and when we couldn't, when when I couldn't come to terms with the band on on a business arrangement, things pretty well fell apart for me pretty quick. I used every dime I had, and I went through incarnations you know mm. of of recording these songs it was hard because you know the money was whatever little money i had it was uh it was depleted really quickly so i i figured instead of spending the money that i had on all the songs to demo i had a lot of them written but and i'm sorry i do, i am going to retract something do you want to make love was not part of that one it was baby o mm-hmm. but anyway I had decided to pick three songs and I said, let me just finish these three and, um, and let, let me see what happens. And I'm going to make them as, as good as I can. So it was boys are going to rock, 
no substitute and shoot you full of love. I would try different different incarnations of all of it till I finally said, here's how it feels the best to me, which was drum machine. I played all the guitars, bass, background vocals. And I said, these three songs right now feel so good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had to... I uh, had a little bit of money left, and I could remember um, booking three, two studios to finish it. It was a record plant in L.A. and Sound Castle in L.A. These were the two studios I remember. So I thought, let me put some drums on these tracks. And uh, I'd gotten Myron Grumbacker from Pat Benatar, who he did the drums on... Boys are going to rock. And once I had the drums, real drums on the track, I would listen to, you know, just the, just the track itself. And I'd take mixes home and I'd think, God, I've really got something, you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, these really deserve a great singer. And so now remember at this point here, it was, I think it was July, June or July. And you know, things were getting real tough, worse and worse, you know, financially. And I'm sitting with these songs. I have no idea if I've got a future. I have no idea if anything, anyone was going to buy any of this. But I'm a pretty motivated person. And I thought what I had was real nice, was really nice. I mean, I enjoyed listening to them. And they were put together well. I had everything laid down. I had the solos. I had all the bass parts down, the guitar, all the guitar parts and, and the drums. So I said, I hear it in my head. I hear the kind of singer that would be so good for this. And then I met Rob mm-hmm. and uh, Robert Fleischer. And our meeting was, was amazing. Uh, you know, he was one of these perfect singers for me. You know, it was like, uh, uh, it was like, you know, just just one of these like you know matches made in heaven you know and it it was like if if lennon was looking for mccartney if if robert plant was looking for jimmy page or whatever and i thought wow this is i heard him sing and i thought please please let this be the one that works you know and uh we we hit it off very very well and I asked him, uh, you know, to come and put his voice on the demos, and uh, and he did, and I'm, I, I could, I just remember that feeling like, you know, nothing could stop this record. I mean, there has to be some record label that would that would buy this, you know. Yeah. In case you're you're listening, that's my dogs. They they <laughs> like to sing, you know three times a day. So they, they all sing in unison, you know, when one starts, they all sing for about a minute. And, uh, so I finished, I finished the three songs and I had Andy Johns. I had Andy mix the songs and, you know, they felt so good. There was such a, there was such a perfect feel about them. Mm-hmm. And I loved the way, you know, the drums, felt on those tracks and uh, you know a lot of things you know a lot of the that happens to to the producer and the artist you know when they do their demos nothing can ever be better than those demos you know because 
that's how you, you know, you've worked it. So you've gotten those demos to feel perfect to you, you know? So it was all done and I started shopping the, the demo. And, uh, I remember I took it to polygram first and, uh, they passed and I couldn't believe it. I said, why would you pass on this? I said, this, this is really good. This is really good. Why would you pass on this? And I remember it was a guy named Jerry Jaffe. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he, I could remember he had during the process of the recording, he said, well, we'll give you first right of refusal. We'll give you $500 towards the recording. I said, look, that's fine. You know, it's not really the money. It's, you know, I want to, I would love to be in polygram. It would be the right label for this and whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there were politics involved. I don't know what was really going on, but I do remember that he passed on it and I couldn't believe it. And, you know, I, I was really depressed about it because I, I thought, you know, is this not good enough for, you know, for a label? I couldn't really believe that because, you know, I knew what I was listening to. Um, but one thing that did happen to me in the recording process of all of this, I undid the crop, you know, my cropping of myself. And I just said, you know, fuck, fuck this. I'm taking the reins off mm-hmm. of myself. I want to see what I can do. You know, I want to see how far I can go with my own playing. And um, this was the demo itself. And I felt, ah, oh, I'm finding Vinny here, you know. Yeah. I'm really finding the Vinny that is that has been in here but just hadn't been able to come out yet. So one of my problems was that being in KISS, I never knew what was comfortable for Gene and for Paul. So it was like I'm always saying, is this okay? Is this okay? Because I remember going through lead solos and they'd be yelling at me and playing too many notes, playing too long. <laughs> so <laughs> I never know if I was, you know, what I was doing was right or wrong. So you kind of get in that kind of like a, when you're trying to touch a fence and it's little, you know, you get a shock and so you don't want to go near the fence. And it's a little bit, a bit like that. Yeah, imagine, yeah. So anyway, um, the demos were going around. I would meet with, managers and I'd get, gee, this is really great, Vinny. And I would think, well, can we move it along? Can can this go anywhere or not? And uh it was one day, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, uh, God, I hope I hope something happens with this, you know, I mean, is this destined to be just one of those demos that just goes in the toilet that should never have been deprived of really making it to record and to, you know, to the fans and whatever. So it was really tough. I had gone through a few months there. I I would say it was about a three month period before it was, you know, I was in the kind of give up stage, but, uh, this tour manager for kiss actually called me and said, uh, do you have anything uh, going on? I said, yeah, I just finished you know, three song demos and he was sending it to me and all right, fine. So when he got it, he called me back and said, Vinny, this is really great. And he says, I think I know a label that will flip out over this. And he said, let me see what happens. So a couple of days went by 
and he called me from Chrysalis. And I remember hearing this this music blaring in the background, and it was "Boys Are Gonna Rock." Was never forget that moment. And it was cranking. And he said, Vinny, can you hear me? <laughs> One of those kind of conversations. I said, yeah. He said, I'm in Chrysalis. He said, wouldn't believe what's happening here. So they were blaring it in the background. He says, they love it. They're going crazy over it. And that's how it happened. So the head of A&R got on the phone with me. And he said, Vinny, this is great. We love it. And we want to fly you to New York and we want to do a deal. Mm-hmm. So... That's how it happened. That's how the that moment, you know, when really everything changed for me because I, I was really about to give up on it because, you know, I didn't, really didn't know where to go with it anymore after that. And, uh, you know, it's you don't know what people think. You know, artists always say, oh, I got something really good, but mm-hmm. never gets to the labels, you know. Something, it never connects. Right. But they flew me to New York. And I signed a deal in November of 85 and then began recording. uh, I started the recording sessions in early 1986. So about two months later, I began the recording. And then the craziness really was about to begin. So, yeah. Wow. Um, so, now that's how it all led up to that moment of yeah, the recording. Did you ever get an opportunity and, to play those demos for Gene and Paul? I mean, did that ever get to that point with those songs? No, it never did. Wow. Unfortunately, it never did because I was hoping to to work out something. Yeah. Uh, you know, on a financial level that you know, there was it was it was just an impossible situation for me. My take home pay was I remember exactly it was five hundred and fifty six dollars and it wasn't going up from there. Right. And I just thought, you know, I've got I'm I've got a family. I can't buy a house, I can't buy a car, you know. Right. I mean I gotta have some kind of future. Mm-hmm. And and I didn't want to leave. I mean I found a band that was perfect for me. You know, if Gene and Paul would have had the opportunity to hear them songs, I got to think they'd have gone crazy for them and loved them. Well, I would have thought so, too. You know, I had I have so many that were that were, you know, at the a reasonably good demo stage. And uh, I would have thought they would, too. But yeah, uh, we couldn't we just couldn't get past, you know, you know, uh, the first, you know, the first stage. Right. Of a, a, a business arrangement that would have been able to to work out for me, mm-hmm. and and I just, I really was I was really sad I was really crushed because I I was was hoping that you know my my contributions would have um you know they would have been worth they would have been of value you know I mean I I certainly would feel uh you know I'm the kind of person that would say. If you have something I want, just let me make you happy. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to lose you. I don't want to lose what we have. You know, whatever it takes. You know, there's enough to go around. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, that, you know, history is history and right. <laughs> you can't rewrite it. So it happened the way it happened. And uh, Vinnie Vincent Invasion was actually not intended to be a band. Really? 
because it was it was it was my creation. It was my bass parts, my guitar, my writing, my background vocals, and it really was a drum machine, uh, which I favor more than I favor a real drummer. I I personally think as soon as you get a real rock drummer on a track, it doesn't feel good anymore. It's just rock drums. It's not. The songs I write have a different kind of vibe than, you know, I mean, they're, they're rock and they're, you know, the power of it, but it's not rock in terms of, of groove and feel. So I, my intention was it was just my project. It was the Vinnie Vincent record. Invasion was the name of, uh, of the project. Mm-hmm. So it was going to be Rob was going to sing. And I would just lay down all the instruments and try to put a, a, a rock drummer back over the tracks. Um, but frankly, I wanted a, a drum programmer, you know, not just a, a machine, but, you know, someone who programmed drums. Because that to me is how my songs feel the best to me. Mm-hmm. I hate my songs with a real drummer on them. I mean, I, I cannot stand it. Uh, as soon as I hear a real drummer on my songs, my heart sinks, you know, and I go, this sucks, you know, this, this, this isn't right. You know, real, real drummers tend to, especially rock drummers, they, uh, they tend to speed up, slow down, you know, they have a hard time staying on the beat and, you know, it's the, the typical, you know, the typical problems that rock drummers have. And, uh, I hate it. I mean, it it was one of my, it still is my pet peeve to this day is I see a rock drummer and I go, you know, I get my cross and the garlic out and I go, go away. Don't come near my tracks, please go away. Uh, So that was the intention of what the project, you know, where, where the Vinnie record was going to go in the direction of this is a Vinnie record and these are my songs and this is my singer. This is the guy who, you know, is my peanut butter to the jelly, you know, my page to the plant or my, my Lennon to the McCartney, but it was that kind of, you know, I found exactly what I was looking for. So how great was it to give Robert that call then to say, you're not going to believe this. We're actually signed all of a sudden off these demos. Well, it really didn't, it didn't go that way. They signed Vinny. Mm-hmm. I was the only one signed to the record contract. And the label left it, really left it up to me. Now, the label was in a, they had gone through a complete overhaul from the first Vinny Vincent Invasion record to All Systems Go. So, in other words, when I signed with the label, they were very artist oriented. So it was really good for me. You know, at that time, oh God, this was 84, 85. So, you know, if you took Chrysalis's roster, it was very small. I remember it was Pat Benatar, Huey Lewis, Billy Idol. Oh God, I don't even, I don't even know if there was that many more. And I think they did have have some of those English bands at the time. Mm-hmm. Vinny was their rock band. Vinny Vincent was their, you know, their metal band. So it was just, it wasn't anyone signed to that label but Vinny Vincent. So 
it was Vinny, go ahead, make the record, you know, and this was off of a three-song demo. I said, I want to keep the same singer, and they said, here's your budget, you know, start start the record, and we're looking forward to hearing everything. Mm-hmm. And they were, it was a really great boutique label at that time. They were small, but they were they were really run like, you know, they were they were pro artist, you know, so producer and artist and people that were, they had a vision and those, you know those artists had a vision. Chrysalis were right there, nurturing that vision. And I mean this this is this is how I remembered it, and uh, I remember it pretty clearly. But I remember for, at that point saying. Uh, they said, do you want to tour? And I said, well, I said, sure, sure, of course I'd love to tour. I mean, have you thought about putting a band together? And I said, no, not really. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, that's where the vision changed quite a bit. You know, it was finding strangers that, uh, you know, were able to complete the picture. But I don't think my choices were good uh, in retrospect I remember this, uh, we're trying to set up amps. I think the way this record began was in the same process. And, and it's, oh, I always set it the same process, which is I, I will lay the drum machine down first. I'll put on a guide guitar, guide guitar track, scratch track. Then I put on a scratch bass track and, you know, a scratch lead vocal. So, you know, you're actually hearing the, you know, the, a pretty terrible version of the song, but at least, you know, okay, here's, here's how, here's the song, you know, and now let's redo, let's start with, you know, laying the guitar track down and that, that's how it began. Uh, remember getting the guitar set up, which was, uh, about, Something I don't know if it's if it was ever done before, but oh gosh, it was it had to be at least ten had to be at least ten uh, ten actual amplifiers or very close to it. There were Marshalls. There were uh, I remember there was a Seymour Duncan amp, and uh, there were a lot of a lot of uh, cabinets, a lot of four twelve cabinets and uh they were placed in different rooms in the studio and the power that was cranking through those cabinets was insane <laughs> um i mean it was just insane power and you know, it was deafening yeah. so um the feedback was you know it was like controlling controlling a monster and it was it was uh I remember having a lot of gates, a lot of noise gates because of, you know, the hiss was, you know, was really, there was so much power coming out of everything. I think just the setup took two to three weeks just to set everything up, wiring all the cabinets and having all of this just to be, you know, figuring it out was, was probably one of the toughest things, but once everything was figured out, then it became okay. Now, now we got this beast set up, and 
let's let's go you know mm-hmm. let's start cranking <clears throat> and i i'm not sure what the first song was but uh we you know it was like laying all the tr- laying down it was like getting the the tempos was very important mm-hmm. uh the drum machine had to be the right tempos otherwise you know otherwise the song's too fast or too slow and you don't want to go through all the work of you know having to redo it but um i kept the lead vocals from the original demos because you know they were spot on they were great i mean you know they they always gave me you know rob was the tingler you know he's the original tingler you know heard those tracks I mean, I could take off the, all the guitars and just hear them sing, you know, just through the mic, and I'd just go, shit, <laughs> you know, this this is beautiful. Yeah, this yeah. is just beautiful. So, I mean, we had we had an incredible chemistry. It, it was just something you just could never, never, you know, figure uh, you're going to play in this. It's, it's just, it happens or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So... I do remember him trying to sing some of my lyrics. I mean, you want me to sing that? You know, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I mean, don't just sing it. Just sing it. Don't worry about it. You know, yeah. and it was you know stuff that uh, you know had a different kind of sophistication to to them. But this is what I do remember. Since since the vocals were on the three demos, and I mean now that you're triggering my memory, mm-hmm. those were the first three songs that I approached first because they were basically already laid down. Animal was already in in its form that was, you know, had, had advanced to, to a pretty, pretty complete phase. Um, it was animal, they were twisted. That was also pretty advanced. So those were the five songs. Boys are going to rock, shoot you full of love, no substitute, animal, and twisted. Yeah. Now those were the five that I basically had completed that I was going to take to to Gene and Paul. So I thought, okay, well I've got those. And, and since Rob had already recorded the vocal, it was going to be a, a easier to start, you know, putting the real sound, you know, the real instruments on there. Mm-hmm. And that's how that's how it began. But I can tell you, I I do remember. Instead of using the actual track that that I recorded the demos on, it, it seems to be my memory that I recorded the track again and couldn't find the right tempo. And uh, it was really tough trying to find that. So, um, but I do remember that once, you know, I had the new tone, the new, all the amps were set up, um, the tape was rolling, and I turned my volume up, and it went. So that feedback was was actually not planned. Wow! But it happened because there was so much power yeah. coming out of those amps that you know it was just there, and I said, "Ooh." You know, that ain't going nowhere. See, that's staying on tape. Nice. Um, that was that was the that was the basis. That was the genesis on how it all started to be put together. And the process happened from there. 
yeah. you know, and uh, when you know the the drummer and the bass that get bass player that get added to the album, I just I was just curious at what point I think when you were talking about recording, the, I think they were added. There was a period of time where I was auditioning people to see, you know, who was going to fit and who was not, and hoping that I would find something that I could put a band together because there was a final decision that Vinny, you're going to need to turn this into a band because it's, you know, well, I mean, it was the eighties and, you know, it was the time for rock bands and having, you know, a, a, just a solo album was, it was actually out of sync with the time, you know, it wasn't the way it just wasn't the way it was done, you know, in the, in the eighties, they were just usually four guys and it had to be a certain look. It had to be a certain this, certain that. And, you know, they, there were tours all the time. And it was just the time for rock bands. Right. That was the one thing that I do remember having to make a decision. And uh, I said, whatever is the way that this thing needs to go, I'll go ahead with it. Mm-hmm. But once you bring in other people, it's reinterpreted again. Right. So even though they're my bass parts, once another person played, the interpretation changes. Even though they're the same notes, it's not played with the same feeling. Right. Then you bring in a drummer, and you go, well, I like the, I like the drum machine better. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd always be in a... I'd always take the drums off, you know, the tracks, and I'd... Because I'd always leave the original drum machine on. And I'd say, ah, oh, now that's what I want. And as soon as I t- remove the drum machine and put the real drums in in the mix it was like this is not what i want so i went through a lot of shit with as as this thing began to take shape my ears just wouldn't hear it with real drums on it my ears just said no and um it was it was an adaptation for me i had to adapt i had to adapt to it because of, you know, just the nature of how this was developing, I, I actually had to, 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 to talk myself into, all right, this works, fine, this works. But in my heart, it didn't work because, because of how I hear drums. I don't hear drums, as I said, with, with a, a, a live drummer. I hear them. I mean, unless, unless the drummer's extraordinary, unless playing beats is the forte that a drummer has. You know, I was hoping to find somebody that could really play beats, you know, play grooves and feel, you know, like a drum machine, but, you know, could play drum fills. Mm-hmm. Impossible. It, it's just, it's just impossible. There's, there's no such, there's no such animal. So, you know, as I lived and learned, I'd prefer, forget the drum fills, I don't need that. Just give me that dance beat. And the only way you're going to get a dance beat is from a, from a machine. So uh, the other people came into it piece by piece. And um, then there was a drummer. And uh, then I think once the drums were recorded, uh, went through like, it went through a nonsensical you know, in retrospect, it was nonsense, you know, looking for the perfect drum room and all of that. And and my retrospective 
is that it was unnecessary, you know, um, but it was a lot of a lot of to do over something that could have been simplified. But uh, you know, it's it just a record advance. I think it took about six to eight months to record, and uh, Rob came back halfway through, and then that was my fun part, you know, working with Rob on the vocals. Mm-hmm. That's what I enjoyed the most. Um, you know, the, the parts that, that were saved for last were the lead vocals and the lead guitar parts. That's the fun stuff. You know, then you get to really start to hear the, the overall picture of the song and how this is going to translate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I loved working with Rob. We, you know, it was fun because there was so much, you know, that's where there were no barriers, you know, once it were laid down, you know, there was no barriers. It was no one saying you can't do this. No one saying no, no, no. Uh, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do more of that. And, if, you know, it, it was out of step with records that were produced in a commercial way. And, and that's what the beauty of the first Vinny Vincent Invasion album was. This is not another cookie cutter, you know, top 10 album that has hit songs on it. It was a vision that was, I'm going to rip your face off. And <laughs> it, did. Uh, it took a lot of time to mix that record to try to get everything. So it was, it was really raw, you know, raw and exciting, polished, but not slick. Yeah. And, uh, the mixes were difficult to capture because, you know, I wanted the guitars higher in the mix than other producers of the time who would want the drums way the fuck up there, you know? Like all the guitars in the in the bass were always thinner and smaller, but the drums and the vocals were all you really heard. And I'm, those kind of records never made sense to me, you know? So I said, guitars are in your face, the bass is supporting... And the drums are there, but the guitars are what you're going to hear. The guitars and the lead vocals are what you're going to hear. So, you know, that's the overview of how that record was recorded and the vision of it. think you've seen it all. Well, you ain't seen nothing till you've seen the 10th anniversary tour of KISS. January 25th at the score. KISS will blow you away. Special guest Night Ranger. Rock and roll intensity. Get your tickets now at Tracks, Mother's Music, Dead Birdland, Chicho's, and the Scope Box Office. Don't miss Kiss from Whisper K94. When I go through her, oh. Putting the O back in rock. It's just like a... Oh. 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 A hot night. Oh. Yes. 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 Listening to the Decibel Geek Podcast. 
All right, before we get back into our amazing conversation with the one and only Vinny Vincent right here on the Decibel Geek Podcast. Man, that sounds good to say that. Yeah. Finally, Vinny Vincent on the Decibel Geek Podcast. Long time coming. Woo, I love it. We got to talk to you guys real quick because as you know, Rockin' Pod Expo 2 is coming up in Nashville, Tennessee on August 25th. We've got some big names we've already announced. Mm -hmm. We've announced all kinds of cool perks throughout all the amazing podcasts that are a part of the Rockin' Pod Expo, too. And, you know, it's really shaping up to be something special. And I know that there are a few more special guests that are ready to be announced. Can I go ahead and tell the people? No, you cannot. Come on. I know you told me I couldn't tell them yet, but please. Nope. Please let me tell them. Not this week. Maybe next week. I am so excited to announce that we've got some people that are pretty well lined yes, up right more now. Than, more than one. Yeah. Yeah. And some some really impressive names. Yes. Oh, man. Please, can I tell them? No. Still got to <sighs> dot the T's and cross the I's. All right. Well, here, that brings me to the point of what I want to tell you about right now is because, you know, we're all excited about August 25th and we're all excited about Rockin' Pod 2. But mm-hmm. before we get to all that, we've got to make it happen. Yes. And the only way we can make it happen is with the help of our friends out there in podcast land. Yes. All the people that love and listen to the Decibel Geek podcast every single week. You know, it's a free podcast. We give it to you absolutely no charge every single week. Yeah, we beg you to shop at our website and check out our articles and awesome journalists over there and you know we ask you to help us out here and there but this is the big one you know every single year well since last year Mm -hmm. when it gets to be this time (laughs) of year we go into groveling mode yes so we're gonna ask you now again please yep please help us make rock and pod 2 happen how can you do that it's simple go to rock and pod 2 no? Rockin' Pod 2018. On GoFundMe. On GoFundMe. Okay, yeah. so you go to GoFundMe, and then you look up Rock N Pod mm-hmm. 2018. 2018. Simple. You do that, take a look. There's, you know, if you if you donate 10 bucks, mm-hmm. you get a ticket to come. Yes. That's, that's awesome. Get you in the door. You're in the party now. What if you can't make it, but you still want to support Decibel Geek and all the other awesome rock podcasts that are going to be a part of this? Well, it's great because... We're going to give you something, too. So for your $10 donation or more, Mm -hmm. hopefully more, we're going to give you exclusive access to the Rock and Pod 2 exclusive podcast, basically. It's a whole other podcast that everybody that's involved in this is coming together to create. And when we create it, it goes to the people that have donated $10 or more to the Rock and Pod Expo. Mm -hmm. So not only do you get the feeling of awesomeness because you helped out a cause, it's not just a bunch of dudes that love rock and roll wanting to drink beer and hang out with rock stars. (laughs) That is part of it, though. That is part of it. Yes, it is. (laughs) But there's so much more than that because we believe in podcasting, and we know you guys do, too. You know, radio isn't going to have Vinnie Vincent on and break down the debut album. Right. You know, they're not going to do that with the Bullet Boys either right. or the countless other bands that we talk about and promote and and teach you guys about every single week here on the Decibel Geek Podcast. We support your favorite bands. We're trying to keep them in the limelight, give them the attention and the love that they deserve. We're doing our best to help them out. Do your best to help us out. Now's the time to give back to Rock and Pod Expo 2. 
please. Please do. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's going to be a good time. And yes, we have some big names being announced soon. I'm going to tell them. Oh, you are. Damn it. We okay. got plenty of other cool stuff to get back to. With okay, our, with all our, right. With our friend Vinny Vincent. Next week, I'm telling them, though. All right. Back to Albums Unleashed with Vinny Vincent on the Decibel Geek Podcast. <laughs> This is a real nerdy tech question, but was it all Rhodes guitars being used on the recording of this album? Rhodes guitars, yes. 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 Let's see. I can tell you it was my shark fin for all of the rhythm tracks, and it was my double V for all the lead tracks. Did you play any bass on the album? Uh, I can't remember. I think it was something that wasn't feeling right to me and I remember playing the bass um can't really quite remember if I'm on the on the tracks or not okay. <clears throat> so I'll leave it there okay um but I'll I'll think about this okay. and see yeah now that you, you asked that question I'll try to see if I can remember okay but go ahead um well, I interviewed Robert a couple of years ago, and, and he had a, a couple of interesting stories about, A, he said the uh, that when he came into the vocal booth, the whole booth was lined with, like, Playboy and Hustler centerfolds. Is that true? <laughs> it could be. I don't remember. Actually, I wasn't in the lead vocal booth, so, okay. you know. All right. And then he had a, a story that, that you were having. Well, I'll tell you what, it, that, that was that was pretty well the time so and the songs were yeah. kind of uh lent themselves to you know that visual so i wouldn't be surprised right and then <laughs> makes sense and then he had he had one mention about you were trying to nail a lead lead part on one song and the guitar kept going out of tune and that you just got so fed up that you threw the guitar on the floor and took a whiz on it Oh, that story. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm saving that for the book. Okay. <laughs> I'd love to answer you, but boy, that one's for, that one's I say for the book. Okay. Well, even a no comment is a cool answer on that. Yeah. So, um, okay. So can we do a little track-by-track track discussion? Sure. Okay. Sure. So let's just start with the first one, Boys Are Gonna Rock. I mean, this goes all the way back to pre-Kiss, doesn't it? It does. It goes way back to pre-Kiss. It goes to a band called Sad and the Next. And uh, it began as a song called Never Too Hot to Rock. Hmm. It was a basic, basic everything with a slight different chorus, but it was all about the same structure, same, you know, body. It was such a good song, you know, that uh, I remember taking it to Gene during Look It Up. And it turned into And on the Eighth Day. Right. And uh, But I had recorded it right before right before Kiss. And uh, I did some demos with... Uh, I was singing. Mm-hmm. And, and it was Boys Are Gonna Rock.
I actually had changed it to Boys Are Gonna Rock. I had uh, recorded, uh, let's see, it was Gypsy in Her Eyes, uh, It's Not Pretty Being Easy, Boys Are Gonna Rock, Baby O, and I, was, I think that was there were four. And uh, so those had found their way to Gene through Michael James Jackson. So and when Gene and I had advanced, let's you know, moving the clock ahead two years to 1983, mm-hmm. then my boys are going to rock had changed into and on the eighth day. So, wow. Wow. I mean, it's kind of funny, you know, placing them all back to piecing them back together again. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it worked. That's awesome. I love that song. Well, and, and, the track too, Shoot You Full of Love, you know, I know that was originally, I think it was originally called I Need Love, and then it gets a much more interesting. Your- I Need Love. Yeah. It was a song I wrote in 1980. 79, 80 was a big year for me because I was, you know, I was really prolific in a lot of songs that I was writing and writing and hearing my craft come together. And I said, well, I'm not what I want, you know, as a singer, I know where I want to make these, but let me just go ahead and demo my songs and and they they just they changed, you know. They went from poppy to more he- to heavier, and you know, it's like th- these songs are always finding their own. It's like they're they're trying clothes on. They say, "I don't look good in this. I don't look good in this," you know. Until, until they start saying, "Yeah, I start to look better and better and better." Ah, now I look great. And it's kind of how a song finds its its final destination on how it's supposed, how it wants to be sung and played and you know and its tempo and its approach i think it finds itself at the end of the end of the road here songs were written earlier uh i remember no substitute was also written earlier it was a pop song Mm. and uh it was really nice it was a beatles song like a beatlesque pop song of you know of that time in especially in la where uh there was this uh you know this resurgence of pop you know that was happening and uh so you know as the years kind of you know, like like a twelve month period is a is a long time. It's a lot of time when you're you're changing and you're looking for that final destination of the song. And then you know you add twenty four months into that, and you know your vision is changing, and those things become heavier, and the vision is bigger, yeah. and and the scope is wider. So that song, instead of becoming a pop song, is now turned into a bigger a bigger production, a bigger song. I want you, but you never reply. I can't get through on your line while your intuition keeps holding you down. You're hanging me up every way. One, two, two, one, me. And whisper my name. 
Um, those are the first three songs, yeah. Was it was it your decision to have the acapella intro by Robert on that? You know, some of these things I'm not really... They just happened, yeah. you know? A lot of this stuff kind of happened now. That... There, I have versions of it. I have the demo versions or the early recorded versions with, you know, the guitar riff. And, and he, you know, he would be, I want you, but you never reply. And that, that riff is still going on under it. You know, when you're mixing these things, sometimes, you know, it's, a lot of this is accidental. Yeah. And you'll just pull something out, and you'll go, ah, that sounds really good. Um, I remember in Shoot You Full of Love, there was this one place at the end where the music stops, mm-hmm. and Rob is still going, you know, this, this, <laughs> and it was just him, you know? And and I remember that was a conscious that was a conscious decision to pull everything out right there and just focus it on on that vocal part. Mm-hmm. So nice. a lot of this stuff just happens, you know, in the mix stage. Yeah. Well, Very um, cool. And you just, you know, you don't know until you're sitting there and you're pulling instruments in and out, and and you go, oh, that sounds good. Let's leave that out. Let's leave this in. Let's, you know, so. Yeah. Things happened, you know. Things happened at the last minute. So a lot of this is unplanned. Yeah. So, well, when you go into Animal, I, let me gush for a second because, and I've had people tell me they think I'm crazy for saying this, but I think Animal is one of the greatest rock songs ever written. I really do. I think. Wow. I think. Wow. Just the the guitar riff is. It's almost like a timeless guitar. It almost has like, a, I mean, like a like a like if Zeppelin had survived into the '80s, it would have been something Jimmy Page would have written. And then also you've got the way that the soloing goes at the end of the song, where it, it just everything goes out, and then you're just going off, and then the the rest of the band comes back in, and then that little cascade of notes you play at the end as it fades out. It's just that song is an absolute masterpiece, in my opinion. Yeah. much and and I, I I wholeheartedly say that um, I always love that song and I thought it was the perfect marriage of lyric to to the to the ferociousness of that track you know it was sexy and uh, it was a sexual vampire and uh, it was written in that context and it was, um, you know, guitar's going to rip your face off. And it, it worked. It was captured, yeah. you know. That was a tough song to mix because what was hard to mix about this song 
was you, it was hard to work every day because it was hard, you know, your ears you, you were, you, you know, your ears were really put through a meat grinder. Um, it was tough because I think once we had the, the, the sound, once we had the sound down, it, you know, the, the sound of the instruments, it, w- it became easier to mix them, but it was hard to mix because the, the approach of that, of all of those songs were basically pushing everything to 10. There were no dynamics. It was not a song where there were any dynamics on it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was not a record where there were, you know, soft spots, up spots, down spots. It was, I'm going to rip your face off from the time you put the needle down until this record ends. And that was my vision for that record. Yeah. You know, you're not going to forget the name Vinnie Vincent after you hear this record. <laughs> nice. And, awesome. and uh, it was the fastest selling record in Chrysalis's history. At least that's what the label had told me. And, uh, you know, record, record stations at that time, I, I remember, I, I, because I did, I did a tour. It was myself and, uh, and one of our, you know, A&R guys from the label. And uh, we had a great time. And, you know, the radio stations didn't know what to do with this. You know, they said, wow, this is, this is, this is a wild record. Wow, Vinny, you know. Yeah. And, and I loved hearing that, wow, Vinny, you know, because that said to me, I achieved the record I set out to make. And uh, I was really happy with the reception of it, you know. And uh, there should have been four videos off that first record, which was the biggest disappointment. But I'll save all of that for the book. Okay. Because there is a lot, I'm still, even though I'm getting, giving you a lot of information, mm-hmm. what I'm saving for the book is still, is as much that I've told you, mm-hmm. that's how much I haven't told you. Right. But the book is going to, you know, really tell a lot of secrets. So I, the stuff I'm telling you is, you know, has never been told before, but it's good stuff. Yeah, you know, I think, cool. I think the audience, your audience and my fans would enjoy hearing. Oh, yeah the genesis of this record and Absolutely, how yes. and how it began and how it found its way to the radio stations and uh, and everything else but yeah yeah I'm glad you liked animal it was a oh, it was a really really powerful track and uh, it, it's something I could say yeah I, I'm that that turned out just right you know for me.
too, that, you know, and you already kind of answered the question that Gene and Paul never got to hear these songs, but I always thought, like, a dialed-back-in version of Animal would have been a perfect Gene Simmons song. Did you ever, did you have him in mind when you were first putting that together? No, no, I did not have Gene in mind for that. Um, once, I, once Rob came into the picture with, you know, after, after it was clear I wasn't going back to the band, and I said, okay, I'm on my own. I hope this works. I hope somebody signs me. Uh, and then Rob came in to sing. Um, then everything was tailored around that, that sound, you know, because I had found the sound that really worked for the style I had created, you know. So it was all written with, you know, with, with that kind of voice in, in mind. And then, you know, when Rob walked in, it was like... Um, this was, you know, very, very much meant to be. You know, the heavens intended for this to happen, you know? Awesome. There's no denying that. Right. Uh, well, on, on the track Twisted, with how many vo- how many different voices are we hearing on that intro that just goes all over the place? That was a really tricky intro. But uh, that had been on my original demo of it. We just kept it. You know, I, I just kept it because... Had to be, you know, mm. nobody was going to fuck with that intro because, because it had the whole entirety of, you know, going insane, you know, and, you know, like a, a musical version of it, you know, Right. but, um, I'm not really sure how many, how many voices, but there was a lot. Yeah. If I were to guess, I would think it was at least 24 voices that were doing that. Wow. Wow. 24 to 48 voices. Um, I would double, triple, quadruple track everything. So, you know, it was like I would go through 24 voices and 24 voices and 24 voices and 24 voices. Very time consuming. But, you know, at the end it worked. such a that's just that's just such an intense song and the lyrical content of it is is wild you know yeah. in is out and six is nine and it's just it's uh the the, the lyrics on this album are, are really interesting not everything's about sex some stuff is about deeper stuff and but this one has a, a very interesting lyric to it. it it is an interesting lyric um i used to take the train a lot to get to the studio uh because i i was going back and forth between the east coast and the west coast and I'm, I'm traveling a lot, and you know, it, it was like a vision for the, those songs lyrically. You know, I was really in a place where lyrics—I don't know—they had always meant something to me. You know, because 
one thing that bored that bored me to death were, you know, sophomoric lyrics. And I, I, I just thought there's so much to say. The human vocabulary is so huge. You know, the poets are are so so underrated and so forgotten. You want to have an intelligent conversation, or do you just want to say, "Oh fuck, man," "Oh shit, man"? You know, you want to really, if that's all the words you want to carry on a conversation with, then your listener is going to have a, you know, not a very exciting time listening to you. But you know, words are always uh, stimulate me, and I, I like I like thinking about something. You know, I like something you know, giving me something to think about when I hear, hear a lyric. So it was the right time, you know, everything had fallen in place very, very easily. So, um, the lyrics, the music, it, it hadn't, I, I felt like the record just, just wrote itself. And I was just the, the, I was just the instrument, you know, it was everything just, it was almost like somebody was flowing this through me and I'd, I'm just writing, you know, I'm just playing, you know, I'm just thinking. But it was like another force that was just pushing this stuff through me. That's so cool. Like I wasn't trying. It was just, it was naturally happening, and it, and it happened really quickly. Right. All systems go happen. The songs are the same way. They happen this really quickly. It, it just wasn't, it wasn't labored. Yeah. So that was interesting. And so was... uh Guitar Mageddon, same thing. There were three albums in a row where, lyrically, they they were not labored. Yeah. And uh, I'm really proud of all three, you know, the songs on all three of those albums. Well, then the next track is the first of two co-writes with you and Robert, which is Do You Want to Make Love? Uh, possibly my favorite solo on the record. I love the way you end the solo with the the whammy bar going up and up and up. I think uh, I think this is just a great song. Yeah. actually happening during during the during the making of the album and and it was that was one that Rob and I caught early on that one an invasion mm-hmm. and um, so it was picking and choosing all of the songs for the record and and those those you know we just hit it you know our our relationship was tightening and it was it was easy, you know, it was real easy and it happened really quickly. So, um, 
I love that. That was one of my favorites. Yeah, mine too. And that was another video that Chrysalis really blew the opportunity to, to break through Agreed. with yes. that song yeah. and a video for that. But yeah, cause that too bad one, they missed the boat on a lot of this. That one's No very, substitute. Yeah, those two Animal, Do You Want to Make Love, Shoot You Full of Love. They had at least five hits on that record that they could have taken this thing into, you know, levels that would have been staggering, but... They didn't do it, and I, I can tell you why, but I won't tell you during this conversation. But okay. that is for the book. Gotcha. All right. Man, I'm looking forward well, to this Go ahead, guys. Book. I didn't mean to. No, that's great. Here. No, that's uh, I'm really – obviously, we will absolutely help promote the hell out of this book yes. once you put it out. Oh, well, great. That, that'll be super. I've got my editor, and uh, we should be starting the book this summer, and – it's going to be a tell-all, no fucking holds are barred, no stories are left unanswered, all of the interior, private, everything uh, that ever happened from the beginning to here is, is going to be exposed, but wow. in a good way. It'll just provide all the answers. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we talked about what we talked about here, but, you know, this is just scratching the surface. Sure, yeah, you know, everything that you and I are talking about here is just scratching the surface. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what happened in Atlanta. It was just scratching the surface. So essentially it's like, it's like a little tip of an iceberg and, you know, that ocean goes way down. And, you, and, you know, this book is gonna going to be – something you're going to want to reread over and over and over because there's so much detail. There's so much that happened and it's just going to be one hell of a book. And I, I'm, we're starting it very soon. So, uh, I'll be keeping you informed on it, but awesome. it's, it'd be great for you guys to promote it. Oh. And, uh, it will tie everything, everything together. Awesome. And, uh, you know, from from the early, you know, from early through the my disappearance to emergence and reemergence, it's going to have a lot of stuff in there. You know, the music, the people involved, you know, the business that happened, the labels and uh, everything, literally everything. There won't be one stone that would not be not looked under. Awesome. All the answers that everybody has been looking for will be. They'll be there for everybody to read. Nice. I can't wait to read that. And you know, we are the number one Vinnie Vincent loving podcast on earth. So, you yeah. know, we got your back on it and can't wait to uh, see it. You know, I'm, I'm so honored. I, I really am. You guys have been wonderful. And, you know, Chris, it's great seeing you at the shows. And uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we, uh, we go back. We you do. know, we go way back. And it, it's just, it's a lot of fun now. You know, a lot, I can tell you that this time right here, is more fun for me than than it ever was because there was it's different now yeah. for some reason you know i guess it's because of the internet but you know it's i'm able to actually connect with people i can see them they're real people yeah. you know and it's different from it the way it used to be uh because we only had i don't know what was it back then it was you know send cards and letters mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you'd hope that you'd have time to send a letter back. 
but there was not really a way to meet people and connect and talk to them and get to know them. So, you know, and then you're on a plane, you're on a bus, and, you know, you play, and there really isn't much other than, you know, come and see a band, and you go home and hope that you had a good time, and, you know, things like that. So I'm having a really great time right now. So all of a sudden this is more new to me now than it ever was before. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely the most interactive age for, for artists than it ever yeah. has been. Um, well, can we talk about back? No, I'm talking to you. I see you at, at a lot of these shows. You yeah. know, I, it wouldn't have been like that going back no. into the old other days. Right. Yeah, you know, for sure. Um, to speak of the old days, um, Back on the streets, I, I believe I talked to Richie Friedman online. Actually, speak of the devil, uh, a few years ago, and he had mentioned that he wrote this song with you at uh, was I think it was Manny's Guitar Shop, and you guys worked together. Richie was uh, he was a really dear friend of mine. I had the song, and uh, he I remember he did not write the song with me, but he had said. It looks like you're back on the streets. And uh, everything was written. The song was written. And that was the, uh, that was the, 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 all of a sudden I said, wow, that, that really works for this. Mm. And uh, so that was the name of the song. You know, that's how a lot of songs work. You know, the Beatles, the Beatles had recorded many songs that way. Somebody would say something to them and, and it would be, ah, how about that? You know? Ringo came up, well, it's a hard day's night. You know, this, these, were, these were not meant to be titles, but, you know, when you hear it, you go, oh, that's really odd. You know, a hard day's night. And, you know, some songs are born that way. So I had Back in the Streets, but without that name for a long time. And uh, I had worked at his guitar store in New York City. And... You know, I was floundering around and, you know, things were going not so good. And, you know, I was living in California and came back to, you know, New York and, you know, had three cents in my pocket. And uh, his family were, were wonderful people. And Rich was always a good friend. And I remember him giving me a job at the store. He always had, you know, there's always equipment there. And, uh, he said, well, I guess you're back in the streets now. And I said, oh, that'll fit this, you know. And I remember Bing, you know, it just had, it was a perfect, perfect title for the body of the song and the lyrics that were already there. remember we demoed that in the store after hours and 
I, w- I went back to L.A. and finished the demos back there and put keyboards on it. Now, I can tell you that is the one song that failed on the Vinnie Vincent Invasion album because the idea was to bring in no synthesizers. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that song just, I love keys. I love synth. You know, I love strings, you know, I'm, I love chords and it really suffered back on the streets, suffered in my opinion, without the strings and without all of that warmth. It's not a guitar song, you know, a lot of songs I write are not guitar songs and that one definitely wasn't, but you know, I was going to stay true to the vision, but there was really no way to get the warmth and, and the emotion out of the guitars for that song, you know, with, without the strings, Yeah. you know, Did, um, please put the keyboards in there. Somebody, you know, yeah. let me re record that song again with properly put the keys in this, you know, right. I will. I've got versions of back on the streets with, you know, the way it should have been, but, uh, it wasn't on the record that way. Was it true but, that... Uh, I'm sorry, you were saying something? Was it true that it was demoed for Kiss with Paul singing? It was, yeah. It was demoed. Actually, that was the song that had been my introduction to them, to oh, Gene okay. and, and to Paul. And Michael Jackson had heard it, and that was the one he said... Now, th- th- you know, this uh, I can go on for probably five more hours, but there... <laughs> A lot of this stuff will be safe for the book, sure, but right. I will just answer it briefly and say yes. Okay. It was demoed. Paul sang it really great. I remember I loved it. It was written during, you know, the Creatures session, so it had those huge drums, but it was great. I loved it. Yeah. And, and a- I really wish it had been on the record because it was, you know, a natural connection to I Still Love You. Yes. Very much. So. And I don't know why it didn't get there, but it should have been. And I think there's demo versions of this with Vinny singing lead vocals, yes. right? You doing this yourself, and that's one thing I kind of wondered too. I mean, because I've heard that demo version. I mean, it's out there on the internet. You can hear it with Vinny Vincent lead vocals on this, and man, oh yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love that demo version with you singing it, and even those intro lines into the song on this. Your voice sounds amazing. Did anybody, did it ever cross your mind, like maybe before you met Robert, that, you know what, I could sing this stuff? Yeah, but, you know, I, I wanted a singer, you know, but I was just stuck, you know, in, in recording some of this stuff myself because, look, I don't have the time to look and look and look and look. Mm-hmm. I just need, you know, let me just sing it. I'll do the best I can and get this demoed so I, at least I have the song. And... uh I, that's how I did a lot of songs, you know. I would just sing it myself and and just just to cement the song together. Well, that's yeah, no, there's versions of me out there. There's other singers that are doing this song, and uh, it, it's really interesting to hear other people doing my songs. Yeah. And uh, a, a singer that I love that I think would have been great for this was. Uh, you know, Lou Graham. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Foreigner has a singer now that is like Lou Graham number two. Yeah. 
But I love his voice, and I go, oh, this guy would be great for a lot of my songs. You know, if I were to pick a singer today for the, you know, for like half of my songs that I write, it would be the, the this new guy they have in Foreigner. Oh, cool. And I go, love him, love him, love him, love him. You know, <laughs> yeah, I want him for everything. Um, I there there's some there's some singers I love. Mickey Thomas is like uh, from Starship. Jefferson from Starship. Mm-hmm. You know, he's another one of my favorite singers. I go, oh, come on, come on, Mickey. Got <laughs> got got albums for you to sing. You know, yeah. uh, there's people I love. Glenn Hughes is another yeah. one of my favorite oh, singers. I'd love to hear Mine you work too. with Glenn. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> come on, I got three albums for you to sing. That would be amazing. So you know, oh, I have man. my I have my favorites. <laughs> I have my singers that are, you know, among my favorites. But um, anyway, yeah. I drifted there. No, that's fine. No, um, I just wanted to say because everybody knows you as being one of the most blistering, awesome guitar players ever put his fingers to strings. But I always liked your voice. Yeah, me too. <laughs> wow. Now that that's unusual. I mean, I know Chris had said that to me, mm-hmm. and I, I, you know, you know, you, you just don't know how somebody else hears you, you know, and, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm in pain most of the time. So I just sing it, you know, it, it, with the pain I got in me, cause that, that's the only way that these things, you know, get done. So I, you know, maybe it reaches someone else, you know, it's hard to know. Yeah. And then when somebody says, I like your voice I go, I mine, you know, <laughs> no, let me, let me show you singers that are, this is who you should like. You know, I just get to it. But I will say thank you because because it's a nice compliment. So right. thank you guys for oh, that compliment. No What's the uh, the backstory to I Want to Be Your Victim? Backstory? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think those lyrics kind of tell the backstory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. I, if I have to explain that one, I don't think I want to go there. You know? All right. <laughs> Chris, it's time we Yeah. <laughs> record was pretty self-explanatory okay. on, on what the background was about a lot of stuff that was going on there but yeah. uh, um, there is there is stories that go with every song and again you know this is where the book comes in because the real stories that you know underlie a lot of these songs there was a lot of there's a lot of sexuality there was a lot of you know like it None of this was just written because it was just wordplay. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of stuff going on in my life at that time. So mm-hmm. these all have, you know, these all have a greater meaning. You know, they're they're not just, well, I'm going to write a song. Right. I think a lot of songs I write are, are, are human songs, you know, because I listen, you know. 
because uh, I, if I can't, if I didn't live them, I don't think I could write them. Yeah, I think I think people can write spectator songs, you know, but uh, I think a lot of it is, you know, living living a lot of it too, you know, mm-hmm. and finding a way to put all everything that is, that's happened to you in a song, which is what I do. We're back. <laughs> What do you think of what do you think of this, huh? Awesome. Awesome. You know, Vinny's here and he's happy to answer anything you want to ask him, so ask away. When's the last time you saw Gene? Eighteen oh four. It's gotta be twenty years, don't you think? You know, it, it's something we have yeah. and I don't think it's ever gonna go away. I I could see him t- tomorrow. We sit in a room and go, here, let's try this. Here, let's try this. Here, let's do this. Ah, look at that. What a song. Ah, wow. <laughs> and it's always going to happen. And the same with, with Paul. Him and I have, I'm sure it's still there. You know, I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, we had a great time working together. Great. It yeah. couldn't have been better. Our, our, our creative process was, was so natural so natural there was no no effort involved and and it was fun it was a ball so i mean none of that was effort and there was no bad feelings there was no nothing it was fun to create those records fun you know so in case anybody's looking for you know to create create uh you know a a bullshit controversy don't waste your fucking time because It was all fun. We had a great time working together, traveling together, uh, writing songs together, playing together. It, it, it was the best. It was the best band I could have ever, ever wanted or dreamed of. And look, Gene, when he plays bass, I get that electric shock in me, and I go, you know, ah, oh, you know. It's like hearing Rob sing. It's like, oh, God, I love this. So it makes me want to do things. It makes me, you know, takes me to another level, you know. And, and the tapes I have of us, you know, that, oh, God, I've got so many tapes. I used to record everything. And uh, I'd always record us at rehearsal. Gene, me, Gene, and Eric used to just go there a little early and just jam it out. Yeah. And I've got all these things. I go, God, we were good. Yeah. You know, we just three pieces and solos and rips and you know singing and some lyrics. And I mean, we were good. It was just fun, you know. So I, had, with them, I had found my band, you know, my dream band, mm-hmm. and 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 it would still be that today. I all the stuff I told you as far as the record mm-hmm. records. Um, Believe me, there's probably four more hours of of real story that that really underlies even the stuff that we covered. So yeah. I'm really happy that you enjoyed at oh. least this much. Oh, yeah. And uh, one thing I would love to do is when the book is out, mm-hmm. we can sit down and go over this again and promote parts of the book by having you guys, you know, read it first. You'll have advanced copies. Nice. And uh then you'll have something to say to me. Tell me about that chapter there. Wow. Yeah. Didn't know that. Wow. You know, there's, there's all, it's very deep. So, yeah. you know, how does that sound that to you? That when the, yeah. when the book is out, we'll cover a lot of things and, 
really go over it in detail. Does yeah, that sound good? Fantastic, man. That sounds great. Yeah, you can come back on with you us there? anytime. Okay. All right. So, great guys, and uh, I-, I say thank you to all all the fans uh, that are coming back to see me. I, I want to say that um, I'm the luckiest guy in the world, you know. Can't believe everybody's, you know, so full of love. And, uh, you know, we still have some of the haters out there, but I don't know what, what their problem is. But, you know, the love that's out there overweighs what's happening, you know, on, on always the negative side, which is, you know, maybe it's always going to be there. But, you know, the fans, the fan base is, is growing and growing and growing and the love is getting bigger and bigger. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm loving everybody, you know, I'm loving this whole process. So it is so good to be back. And uh, one thing I do want to leave you with is I have been talking to a few promoters and this is where they are seeing Vinny in the next two years. Now I do think, I do actually believe that the Australia tour there's an Australia tour that is materializing as we speak. I'm not sure musically what's going to happen there, but there's a couple of promoters that have been working with me over the past two months trying to set up dates and get me down there. I'm pretty sure uh, the way it looks is uh, as of this morning that we are shooting for August for Vinny to be in Australia. Um, the, the U.S. promoters here... Are, have been talking to me about uh, the acoustic tour, which is, you know, an intimate, uh, you know, it's a music, a music tour. Just, you know, all the sensitive stuff, all the melodic stuff that is out there. And uh, I would be probably bringing in some singers and other musicians, and uh, it would be mainly an acoustic uh, tour, mm-hmm. but it would be you know, a one-on-one with, you know, the audience would be a lot of storytelling. Cool. Then uh, the plan would be after, you know, to, to take, to do several key cities with the acoustic tour and then bring, bring out the stacks, baby. And it would be the full shred tour. Nice. So it's awesome. coming. If the promoters actually can make this all click, this is what they see for the next two years. And I won't say any more, and I'll just leave it there and keep my fingers crossed that it all comes out the way, you know, the plans are. But that's what we're looking at. That's awesome. Well, what do you say? Does that sound good to you guys? That, sound, that sounds great. And Does that here, sound good? Here's something else to think about, too. You know, we were just talking to Nick from Frontiers about a week or so ago, and uh, Frontiers isn't the only one that would love to see Vinnie Vincent back in the studio creating something new. We were talking oh, to him, and he okay. said, oh, well, man, have, we have Nick that. give me a call then. I, we, I absolutely will. I'll, I'll put him in touch for sure. Yeah, if he's interested, have him give me a call. And, uh, you know, I, I have got so much material. You know, I've got more songs than I can possibly know what to do with. I've been working on the Vinnie Vincent archives, of p- piecing it back together and picking it up where it had left off. Mm-hmm. And I've been going through all the tracks. And uh, this summer, I'm planning on uh, finishing up some of the some of the tracks that I I that had left off needing certain things. So once once I have everything completed, which is 95% right now, 
then then I've got all the boxes. Uh, mo- all everything's really done. So it's the assembly that is being put together now, and then pressing everything and completing the box. But it's coming. It's part of my list of <laughs> everything I want to achieve and accomplish. But it's coming. It's coming. So we're gonna have. I'll, I'll let you know when. Uh, We'll have another if it's if you want me back we'll we'll do a, another podcast here and all the other music if if that sounds good to you oh definitely that always sounds you good have to us. A, you have an open invite to come on whenever you want oh guys are so great you you're wonderful you're wonderful you know thank I, I really want to thank you for this I had a blast I had such a good time uh, talking to you and it's it's nice to talk to people that ask a little different question here and there sometime, you know, because I get asked a lot of the same things over and over. Thank you, guys. I enjoyed this immensely. And I just want to say that uh, I hope, I don't know when this will air, but uh, if it's in the next week, Mm -hmm. um, I'll be seeing everybody at the Chiller Show, Chiller Theater Show in uh, Parsippany, New Jersey, next weekend on the 27th, 28th, 29th of April, and then the next show I know of is Days of the Dead, which is in May 18, uh, 1920 in Charlotte, North Carolina. These shows have been fun. I've been meeting a lot of people. We did Orlando, Florida a few weeks ago. So this, this is really fun for me, but there is one huge, huge, huge show that I'm going to tell you about as soon as the promoters put it together, but you're... This one, this one is very special, but, um, remember, remember this conversation because, uh, I'm, I can't wait to tell you about this, this particular show the promoters have in mind, but I'll, I'll let you guys go and I'll say thank you a million times over again. I had a really great time and, uh, I hope we can do this again. Same here. Thank you Can't so much wait. for doing it. We really appreciate it. Man, Vinny, it's so okay. exciting to have okay, you back. Okay, guys. Man. Thanks so much. And I uh, want to say that uh, I love, I really love all the fans here, and it's so great to be back. And thank you, everyone, for having me back, and I hope to see you all really soon. And thank you for visiting the official Vinny Vincent Facebook and uh Sign in, please. All right? All right? Come and join and sign in. I love talking to everyone. So, Chris and Aaron, thank you. We'll see you soon. Awesome. All right? Well, Sounds again. good. Thanks again, man. Okay, guys. See ya.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 